Welcome to Stuff We Love Podcast. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Stuff We Love Podcast. On this episode, we will be joined by a friend of the podcast, Julie, for a pop culture questionnaire edition of the show. As always, we will conclude with the Stuff We Love segment. Let's meet the hosts. I'm Scott. I'm Julie. And you're listening to the Stuff We Love Podcast. The Stuff We Love Podcast is now available on Spotify. In addition to being able to listen to our show on all the usual podcast platforms like the Apple Podcast app, Overcast, Pocket Cast, and more, you can listen to us on Spotify. So if that's the way you listen to podcasts, subscribe to us on there and enjoy the show. So as I mentioned in my introduction, we're pleased to welcome to the podcast tonight, Julie. Uh, I personally first met Julie on Twitter years ago, and I've always enjoyed talking to her about a whole bunch of stuff ranging from music to movies to Disney and more. And because of all this amazing pop culture stuff we talk about, I thought Julie would be a uh, terrific guest here on the podcast to talk about all this stuff. Uh, Julie, welcome to the show, and uh, please tell our audience a little bit more about yourself. Oh, hi. I'm just basically your nerdy girl. Uh, I like Disney. I like the Beatles. I like Star Trek. Um, I love animation. Even now, I'm still like a big animation fan. Mm -hmm. Cartoons aren't just for kids. I like to read. I like to watch movies. I like to draw. Um, I do pencil, graphite work. And that's kind of how I spend a lot of my free time. <laughs> Did your interest in the uh, drawing, get, was that inspired by your love of Disney movies? Actually, it was the movie Yellow Submarine. Oh, wow. Okay, nice. By, yeah, I started by drawing the Beatles characters that way, and then I went on to the Beatles cartoon show, and then yeah. I moved on to draw the Beatles like realistically, and then it just kind of took off from there. Yellow Submarine is such a great animated movie. It, it holds up so well, even now, all these it years does. later. It does, and it was my favorite movie for a long time. So, like, all when I was a kid, that was, like, my movie. <laughs> I actually had not seen the movie until I heard the Beatles themselves talk about it in the Beatles Anthology documentary series. Okay. I didn't know much about it. I, it just was not a movie I watched as a kid. And... Uh, because of my interest in the Beatles and my love of the Beatles anthology series, I went and watched Yellow Submarine, and I just, I love it. I remember being in college and going out to the record store to get the um, Yellow Submarine song track when that was released. Mm-hmm. I have a memory that of that. That was so exciting. That oh, was gosh. exciting. <laughs> See, it's not the same now with that. I mean, whenever the Beatles release something, it's always exciting, but it's different than you know the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. Well. Anyhow, before we get into uh, tonight's episode, let me tell our audience a little bit about this pop culture questionnaire. This was an idea that we at the podcast came up with uh, a few months ago, and we had a few episodes related to this. It's a chance to bring on a guest uh, to the podcast to talk about all things pop culture, because really, that's what the Stuff We Love podcast is all about. We talk about movies and music and books and theme parks and more. We, We love pop culture here. And from the feedback we were getting from listeners is that they like when we talk about all that stuff because it's kind of like a never-ending recommendation show for them. So if they're not familiar with what we're talking about, we tell them about it and they learn about new stuff. And if they are familiar with it, it kind of reinforces their fandom, which is really cool. Uh, And and before we begin tonight's pop culture questionnaire, Julie, I just wanted to ask you, we're, we're recording this now a week and a day before Christmas. So one week from today is Christmas Eve. Uh, Are you ready for the holiday? Have you finished your shopping? What's going on? Uh, yep. Um, I try to do all my Christmas shopping um, by the end of November so that when December comes, then I can kind of focus on other stuff. Like we've been baking cookies for the past week. Nice. We have like five or six different kinds of cookies that me and my mom make together. So it's awesome. Uh, 
I'm pretty much set, I think, now. Now that the office party's over and everything else, so now just wait. <laughs> now wait and listen to, to the good Christmas music. Right. <laughs> the good Christmas music. There's a lot of there's a lot of great Christmas music out there. I love I love it all. I, I don't love it all. I shouldn't say I love it all. I love a lot of it. I, I love a lot of it. I have my go to songs. I find that no matter how many great Christmas tracks are out there from all these musical artists I love, I tend to go back to the same ones over and over again. Mm-hmm. I have like a set list of like maybe 30 that I listen to all the time and those are like my go-to Christmas songs and then the rest of them are like okay those are nice you know so uh Julie let's get started tonight I'm going to just ask you a bunch of questions related to pop culture Uh, and I wanted to begin by asking you how do you consume pop culture we live in an era in which so much is done through streaming whether it be music or video and so forth Uh, when it comes to music because we're both big music fans when you listen to music, do you use a streaming service or do you still listen through a physical medium like CDs or vinyl? Um, it kind of varies. Like I have like three or four MP3 players that have all these songs on them, and that's kind of what I grab when I have to like go somewhere. Um, I do listen to some streaming services. Like I have Pandora, and I listen to that sometimes. Right. Um, if I really like the music I'm listening to, like if it's like the Beatles or something, then I want a hard copy. So I'll want a CD to right. back it up. So when the Beatles release something new, you still buy the CD for that? Yeah. Like uh, when Abbey Road got remastered. Right. Um, I have a CD of that. Right. Right. Yeah. I think that for a lot of fans of the classic artists, like the Beatles, for example, they still love the physical product because so much of what the Beatles were about was not just the music, but also the album artwork and to being able to hold mm-hmm. liner notes. And, and now with the deluxe reissues, there's so much in the physical release that just simply streaming it, you miss out on some of that. Right. Uh, I'm going to jump ahead I, I've, before we get into some of the uh, Star Trek, Star Wars stuff which I want to talk to you about. Uh, since we're talking about music and, and the Beatles, that's something you and I both have in common. We're, we're big Beatles fans. We talk a lot about the Beatles here on this podcast. I wanted to hear your Beatles origin story. So, so tell me, how did you become a Beatles fan? And then we'll get into some of your favorite things related to the Beatles. You could say I'm a second-generation Beatles fan because my mom was a first-generation original Beatles fan. She mm-hmm. saw them in 1964 on the Ed Sullivan Show and just kind of took off from there so she ingrained the Beatles into me from when I was very very little they were always there and I started watching the Beatles cartoons when they were on MTV um, MTV, when I was in preschool okay yeah I have no memory of that being on MTV Mm -hmm. and I watched the monkeys that way too yeah Um, but I knew that yeah I knew the monkeys were on MTV I didn't know the Beatles cartoons were wow yeah she would play their music all the time, so I, they were just always ingrained. And then, like, around the time that I was, like, 11 or 12 was when I started, like, sort of discovering them for myself. Mm-hmm. And because there was still stuff that I didn't know. Like, anything past, like, 1966 I was semi-familiar with. Right. But she, my mom liked to focus on the early stuff, so that's what I knew. But the later stuff was all stuff that I kind of had to figure out on my own, and right. I really liked it. And just kind of took off from there. So now when you're familiar with all the Beatles catalog, do you prefer early or late Beatles? Probably late Beatles. Mm. Like, well, mid to late Beatles, like 66 to 1970. So from so. like Revolver on, is that? Yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's all great. It's, oh, it's, for sure. It's really all great. 
One of the things that amazes me about the Beatles, even now listening to them for so many years, I don't think I'll ever fully stop being amazed by this, is that the same group that's saying, I want to hold your hand, and it released in 1963, could release something like Eleanor Rigby three years later, and then start, Absolutely. you know, Lucy in the Sky the next year. The evolution musically was just, I, there's no, no other artist like that, quite honestly. I think about that. So like when I listen to the bands now, like a lot of their songs are like, they're good, but they sound kind of similar to each other. But like take the Beatles catalog and you have a mix of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've said this to a lot of people that being a Beatles fan has made me a bigger music fan in general because they touched on so many different genres that it enhanced my own appreciation for genres that I never listened to before. The Beatles were sort of like the, um, the jumpstart for me to listen to all these other artists. Yeah. And they did a great job of bringing in their interests. Whenever they got interested in something, they wanted to bring that into their music. Like Paul with his classical interests, right. George with his Indian interests. And they would bring that into, you know, rock pop music. And for some people that might've been in the first exposure. That's very true. That's very true. For me, it was, I, I really had not had much listening experience to other genres before the Beatles. And if it was other genres that the Beatles incorporated into their music, I wasn't necessarily a fan of those genres. But hearing the way the Beatles worked it into their music it made me a bigger fan of those genres, if that makes any sense. Uh, what's your favorite Beatles album? Revolver. Revolver's your favorite. Okay. Revolver, hands down, perfect. Perfect did, from top to bottom. And did you feel that way from the minute you first heard them? Yeah, actually. I mean, I, when I first listened to Revolver, I was familiar, familiar with maybe five or six of the songs on there already. Right. And then everything else was new, and it was just like, just especially Tomorrow Never Knows just yeah. kind of blew my mind. Right. The first time I listened to it, I was just like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. It's an amazing album. Every time I go back to it, I, it's, I'm in awe of that album. Um, one of my favorite Beatles songs is Here, There, and Everywhere, and I love the version yes. that's on the studio release. They did release a different remix with the Real Love single around the time of the anthology, mm -hmm. but it's such a great track. Uh, Julie, let me ask you a question real quick. Uh, I remember there's a famous moment in the Beatles anthology where George says that in his mind, he looked at Rubber Soul and Revolver as kind of like a volume one, volume two thing. And uh, do you agree with that? Or do you look at those two albums as being very distinct from one another? I think it makes sense. I remember that moment and I've never listened to them back to back. But when I think about it, it does kind of make sense. You kind of see in Rubber Soul where they're kind of heading to with Revolver, especially if you put Rain and Paperback Writer in the middle like that, because that was a single that was released in between. Right. So it kind of makes sense. It's like a flow. You just kind of see their development. Right. They couldn't have gone into Revolver without Rubber Soul, I think. Right. Yes. Everything exactly. was a stepping stone from one, one development to another. Yeah. Uh, who is your favorite Beatle? John. John and why? I don't. It it. I mean, it was Ringo when I was a little kid. Right. <laughs> and then around the time that I started again getting into the Beatles for myself, like I just started noticing John and look at what John did. And then then I was in that teenage girl stage. I was like, wow, John is just so cute. You know. <laughs> so. <laughs> so then I just I read up on him as much as I could, and I just felt a connection with him. Yeah. I guess you could say. Um, so it just became John. I can't 
can't really pinpoint it. Sure. It just kind of is. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Uh, so, Julie, one other Beatles question I wanted to ask you is, what is your favorite Beatles song? Strawberry Fields. Wow. I mean, I, 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 I express surprise because, and I shouldn't because it's such a great song. I mean, you could tell me any Beatles song is your favorite song, and who, you know, it's a great song. Uh, I, I actually hadn't heard anyone recently tell me that that was their favorite. Uh, why is it your favorite? I just think it's beautiful. I love the orchestration. I love the lyrics. I just love the way it sounds. It's a great track. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Plus, I always, I always kind of went for their more psychedelic stuff. Like my Tomorrow Never Knows is like in my top five, and I Am the Walrus is I think number two. So I like their weirder stuff. Right. <laughs> and both of those are John focused. John with the lead vocal. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> have you been to Liverpool at all? I have not, but I would love to go. Yeah. It's a great place. I hear I hear yeah, I hear nothing but good things about it. So I was in Europe back in 2008 with my brother and we went there. We we were in Liverpool for only one night. So we basically did one night two days worth of Beatles sightseeing and if you're a Beatles fan, it's like Disney World for Beatles fans, basically. It's so much oh, to I, see. Oh, I bet. I bet. So, so much fun stuff. Uh, and uh, I, one other thing related to the Beatles I wanted to ask you about, you and I have both attended, in different locations, the Fest for Beatles fans. You've been to the one in Chicago. I've been in, uh, to the one in the New York, New Jersey area a bunch of times. When did you start going, and, and what is it that you love about the Fest? We started going, like, it's been kind of like a family thing for a long time. Like, even years when we had no, like, family vacation, we always made sure we did that, at least. Yeah. Um, I think it was either 88 or 89. My mom, like, subscribed to Beatle Fan Magazine, and yeah. they used to have uh, pen pal ads in there. Yeah. And she answered a couple, then they were from Chicago, and they told her about Beetlefest. And um, in the late 80s, she decided, well, let's go and find out what this is about. And right. she liked it so much that we just kept going and going and going, and then it just became an institution. Right. So we've been kind of going since then. I think we only, we've we missed only 1995. Oh, wow. You've been going every year since then. Yeah. Wow. That's amazing. That's great. Yeah, knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really a fun thing to do because it's a chance to celebrate the music of the Beatles. That's really what I, I go to that event, and no matter what I do, whether it's buying some souvenirs or attending some concerts, some discussions, I come out of there feeling energized as a Beatles fan. I do like it very much. Uh, in terms of music, who are some of your favorite musical artists besides the Beatles? It's, when you get past the Beatles, it goes more into like songs that I like as opposed to like whole bands that I like. I do gravitate toward a lot of classic rock. I like the Rolling Stones. I like the Who. Mm-hmm. Um, I like some of those British invasion bands. Right. Um, but I also like like the '90s stuff that I grew up with. I really still love In Sync. They were my first yeah. concert, so I'll still listen to them whenever I get the chance to. Um, and I'll just kind of go into other things. Like, I like some show tunes. I yeah. like Disney songs, obviously. Sure. Um, so it's kind of a weird eclectic mix. You have good taste in music, Julie. Very good taste in music. Oh, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> now, the next thing I wanted to talk to you about is something that you talk a lot about on Twitter. And that's your love of Star Trek. Yes. You are the biggest Star Trek fan I know. Actually, oh. I, I, by the way, I, I, you are definitely... I, I'm going to put you in a tie because... Uh, Somebody I know through work is also a major Star Trek fan. So oh, nice. They're, they're, you're both in that category. I, I, now, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to tell you right now, I am not intimately familiar with Star Trek. I've seen several of the movies. I've always enjoyed them. 
for whatever reason, I'm more Star Wars guy. I want you to tell me why uh, you love Star Trek so much and how you got into it. I'm one of those Star Trek fans that got into it with the 2009 reboot movie. Mm-hmm. I Before that, I was like barely familiar with it, and I was more familiar with Star Wars. But um, I saw trailers for it, and I thought, oh, this looks interesting, but I know nothing about Star Trek, so I don't know if I'll get anything out of it. Right. And... Um, one of my Facebook friends saw it and she said it was amazing. And I'm like, do you have to know anything about Star Trek to have fun with this or understand this movie? And she's like, no. And I was like, all right, I guess we'll go see it. And um, I can tell you everything that happened that weekend because that was like a Beatles on Ed Sullivan moment for me. Wow. Uh, Yeah, I I went to see the movie the Sunday after it was released and it just kind of blew me away and I was like, this is amazing. And then like after that, um, I went to see it three more times that week. Wow. And then I ultimately saw it 20 times over the summer. In theaters? Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Because I loved it so much, I just needed to keep seeing it. But in between those times, I would like voraciously consume everything Star Trek I could get my hands on because I was like I need to know more I need to know more so I would go to the library and get rent the DVDs and get the novels and just read and watch as much as I could right. and I just found it amazing I reson- it, the characters just resonated with me I love that they were character driven stories it just changed my life mm-hmm I love that story. I mean, that's that's a perfect example. No, I do, because that's a perfect example about how pop culture of, of one type can resonate with someone and and change everything for them. So, so certainly with regard to the Beatles, that obviously changed your whole outlook on music, and and Star Trek clearly changed your whole outlook on film and you know what types of movies you like. I, w- I would imagine. Um, oh yeah, it really did, and it opened up like a whole other realm of like socializing and friends and things that I wouldn't have thought I was going to do like a year or two prior. So it's pretty amazing. Now, do you prefer Star Trek over Star Wars at this point? Yes. Do you still like Star Wars? I do still like Star Wars. I find it enjoyable. I have tickets to see the movie for this coming Saturday. Okay. Um, But I admit that like 70% of the reason I'm interested is because the robots are adorable. (laughs) And I love them. (laughs) I've always been a fan of R2-D2. I've always found him adorable. And C-3PO, I kind of identify with him and his anxious nature. Yeah. And then when BB-8 was introduced, I was like, well, he's just adorable. (laughs) It was exciting. When when he first appeared in the trailer for Force Awakens, it was awesome. Yes, absolutely. In terms of Star Trek, from, from what I gather from your, your Twitter feed, you're a fan not just of the movies, but also the original TV show. So right. you, starting with the, the reboot, that sort of you not only have continued to watch the movies and gone back to the older Star Trek movies, but immerse yourself in the, uh, the TV show. Right. I, I, I should have more experience watching the TV show. I just, for whatever reason, haven't. I feel like it's, it's, it's a massive undertaking, so I'm, I'm nervous to, <laughs> to do it. But, um, it would be quite a project if you're going to watch everything. Right, right. <laughs> because that's 700 plus hours of TV. 700 plus, plus hours, wow. Yeah, plus 13 movies. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's massive. It, it actually, you know, thinking about this, in terms of what's been created for Star Trek between the movies and the TV show, there's a lot more content out there than Star Wars. 
Yes. Yeah, I would say so. Certainly yeah. in terms of live action. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. and even yeah, even including if you include the Star Wars animated stuff. I, it's I mean, it's definitely you said 700 hours, is that what it was? 700 plus hours. Yeah, Star, probably Star more Wars now doesn't than come s- close to that. Yeah. <laughs> D- Disney Plus couldn't even maintain that on their service. <laughs> um We'll talk speaking of, of Disney Plus. Uh, you watch The Mandalorian? I have not gotten around to that one yet. I mean, I, I hear everybody raving about it, and Baby Yoda is quite cute. And yes. I like this sort of, I'm assuming, father son relationship that I'm getting out of the memes that I see and stuff. And right. I'm like, that looks kind of fun. I just haven't gotten around to watching it yet. I think you would like it. I, I think you would like it. I'll tell you that as a Star Wars fan, I, I overall pretty much like everything that's been done in the Star Wars universe. A uh, couple things I wasn't as crazy about. I love The Mandalorian. Each episode, I just can't wait to watch it. It's so much fun. Going back to Star Trek, though, have you been to any Star Trek conventions? Yeah, actually. Um, when Star Trek turned 50 in 2016, I wanted to make it a point to go to the Star Trek Las Vegas convention. Wow. Um, and that was really cool because I've never been surrounded by that many Star Trek fans before. I'm like, Usually I'm just, you know, I'm just the girl that everybody knows that likes Star Trek. But, you know, here are all these people that are into the same thing I am. And as much as I am, you know, it was really fun. Have you met any of the cast at a convention? I have met William Shatner twice. Twice, really? Um, Okay, wow. Yeah, I I met him at uh, Chicago's Comic Con once, and I met him at Cleveland Comic Con once. He was very nice. did uh, Did you get a picture with him, autograph? Is that... Um, the first time I saw him, I got a picture with him and an autograph, and then the second time I just got an autograph. As a fan of movies and musical and stuff, do you go to any other conventions besides the Star Trek and, and Fest for Beatles fans? Well, like I said, I've been to the Comic-Con. I've been to Chicago's Comic-Con twice, and I've been to Cleveland's one once, and okay. I plan to go back to Cleveland's uh, this coming spring. Okay, yeah. The, the turnout among celebrities seems to have increased at all those Comic-Cons around the country. Mm-hmm, I've absolutely. been I've been to a bunch of conventions here uh, in the tri-state area. Uh, I went to the New York Comic Con. One of the first years it was there, it was it was crazy. It was a mob scene, and it's gotten even more of a mob scene in recent years. I have a great time at the conventions. I love seeing other fans. I love seeing the the costumes. Oh yeah, absolutely. The cosplay is always fun. And I met you know at some of these conventions, I met some real big names. It's pretty amazing. I know at some of the conventions like uh, WonderCon. They'll have, I mean, the Avengers. They have Brie Larson there, Chris Hemsworth, Chris Evans. Oh, nice. Yeah, I saw photos on that online. I mean, those are, that, that's, that's crazy to me. That, but they're there meeting the fans, which is really cool. I was lucky enough to meet Zachary Quinto at one of them, too. Yeah. The guy who plays Spock in the new Star Trek movies. Yeah. And his appearances at conventions were so rare. It was just kind of a case of serendipity where I was going to be there anyway. He just happened to be one of the guests they announced. And I was just like, oh! Wow. <laughs> Yeah, he's a good actor. He's a really good he's actor. He's done good. a lot of stuff. And he is very nice in person. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Julie, I want to talk to you now about the Avengers because uh, you and I are both big fans of the Avengers and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's been a very exciting time for Avengers fans. Uh, first off, I want to begin by asking you a general question. What do you like more, the Avengers movies or the Star Trek movies? Star Trek. Okay. Probably because I've... I've been ingrained into Star Trek for a longer period than I've been into the MCU movies. Right. Uh, my real infatuation with the MCU movies has kind of come on very recently. 
So I've still got a lot to build on there. But right. Star Trek with me has this history. Right. So it's still Star Trek. <laughs> so when it comes to the Marvel movies, do you remember what the first one you saw was? Um, Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy um, is a great movie. It, it mm-hmm. holds up very well. It's one of my favorite in the whole the Marvel, Marvel Cinematic Universe. I love mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. And I think actually it was a, a, a starting point for a lot of people. Uh, I, I, I remember seeing the original Iron Man in theater, so I, I, that's kind of my own memory. But I know quite a few people who have told me that for them, Guardians was the big changing point. And I guess the reason for it is it was so different. It was very different. I, it was it was the way they mixed drama and humor. It was just um, kind of amazing. Yeah, it's a funny movie, and you're right. It's, it's, you said it perfectly. The drama and the humor combination, and the music. The music is a big part of the those music, movies. I remember when I saw it with my best friend. Like one of the one of the first comments I had after I saw it was like they had songs at the most inappropriate times that they were appropriate. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I liked about it. That's what makes it work so well. The movie. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And in recent years, you know, when albums are kind of on the decline in music, the soundtrack mm-hmm. for Guardians of the Galaxy was a huge hit. People wanted to get right. the awesome mixtape volume one, and uh, right, it, it's definitely. That's that's pretty impressive. I think it definitely has the best soundtrack out of any of the Marvel movies. I don't think anything comes close, really. What are some of your other favorite movies in the Marvel canon? Um, I do like the first Iron Man a lot. Me too. Um, and the first, the first Avengers, the first uh, Captain America, and Spider Man Homecoming. And I also really like Infinity War. Yeah, Infinity War is uh, solid. Uh, do you, did you see uh, Iron Man two? Yes. Yes, so Iron Man 2 is, if I remember correctly, I'm embarrassed I should know this, but I guess that's the one with Mickey Rourke and where there's the Stark Expo. Yes, the Stark Expo, yes. I've always loved that movie, and that movie kind of gets criticized when it comes to Marvel films, but I think one of the reasons I love it is because I'm a Disney fan, and I love the way that the Stark Expo was kind of a recreation of the World's Fair. I got that too. I was like, "Is Howard Stark trying to be Walt Disney here? What's yeah. going on?" <laughs> no, it, it really was. And as a matter of fact, there's a song in the movie. I think it's called "Make Way for Tomorrow," and it's kind of a song that plays at the Stark Expo. It was written by I, we, listeners can double check me on this. I think it was written by Richard Sherman from the Sherman Brothers. Yes. So make the song is "Make Way for Tomorrow Today," and it was composed by both John Debney and Richard Sherman. Oh my God, that's amazing! So that that that's really, amazing. it's kind of like a um, great big beautiful tomorrow type track. Yeah, exactly. I love I that. I really like that movie. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy it. And um, sure. I think for you know, as fans of movies and Disney, the fact that we own Marvel now, we own, we don't own Marvel. <laughs> yeah, we, we're not we're not uh, we're not joined by Bob Iger on this this episode, but. Uh, the, the fact that Disney owns Marvel, uh, I think, means so much for fans of Disney going forward. Not just in film opportunities and Disney Plus opportunities, but also theme park developments. And there's been announcements of Marvel stuff coming to Disneyland and Disneyland Paris and I think Hong Kong or Shanghai. I would like more to come to Walt Disney World. Um, it'd be cool to see something like the Avengers Campus that they have planned for Disneyland. Um just to get, because right now I believe only the Guardians coaster, I think, is the only actual attraction that they have planned right now. Right, right. So it's cool to see something a little bit more. I mean, I think 
I'm not sure how much land is around Hollywood Studios, but I think Hollywood Studios would be a perfect place to put that. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. And, you know, I'm not a crazy thrill ride guy. So the fact they're going to have a Guardians coaster, you know, if it's a very intense coaster, I'm probably not going to go on it. So I would like to do something or see something at Disney World that's more open for everybody. Let's talk movies in general, too. What are some of your other films outside of the Star Trek and Marvel movies that you enjoy? Because, I mean, a lot of my favorite movies are Star Trek and Disney and Beatles films. Um, Help is one of my favorite films ever. I know that everybody picks Hard Day's Night over Help in terms of Beatles films, but I just like Help a little more. Okay, well, let, let's, uh, let's stop sure there because I want to ask you. That's, that's, <laughs> that's very interesting to me. Why do you like Help more than A Hard Day's Night? I don't know if it was the like kind of absurd plot line or just that I liked the songs a little more or maybe the fact that it was in color. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really enjoy it. I find it very funny. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. It is funny. Yeah, it's very got some very meta humor in it. Before that was even a thing. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right, and it's fun to see them in different locations around the world. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. The songs are great. I mean, the, the songs are great. Uh, it has, even though it's kind of a on purpose a silly plot, and it's meant yeah. to be that way. It yeah. does kind of have more of a plot, even with that being said, than the Hard Day's Night, which also right. has a plot, but it's kind more of more of a day in the life. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Continue though. What are some of the other films that stand out? Oh, <laughs> one go-to between me and my best friend was always Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. Batman Beyond: Return is that an, that's an animated film? It's animated. Yep. Batman Beyond actually takes place after Bat, like Bruce is old, and he's like um, the new Batman's like guy in the chair like he's in his bat cave with a bunch of monitors and he's monitoring what the new batman's doing and in this movie um the joker comes back and there's this whole backstory with what happened to him and why he's back now and all this stuff and like for a while it was like our go-to film like we watched it every time we got together so that's great always one that sticks out to me i wonder if that's now available on dc streaming service I'm not sure, to be honest. Maybe even be on Netflix, but I could be wrong about that. I kind of remember seeing that on Netflix, but don't, don't call me on that. Is Mark Hamill the voice of the Joker in that? Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. He's great. He, he, <laughs> He's there, and Harley Quinn is in it, too. So. <laughs> oh, cool. Very cool. <laughs> so, as you know, here on Stuff We Love Podcast, we're big Disney fans. We talk about it all the time. My friends know I'm the Disney guy, so when they're booking their trips or they're talking Disney, they know to come to me for advice. I should get paid by the company. <laughs> you too. Uh, you, I'm sure you too. Yes, absolutely. By the way, if Disney ever bought the rights to Star Trek, you're going to be asked a lot of questions. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, that'd be something. Uh, we've talked a little bit about it tonight. I know you said you haven't started The Mandalorian yet, but have you been using – I think we talked about this on Twitter. You said you have been watching Disney+. Plus. Yep. I admittedly was sold on Disney+, Plus like the second they announced it. Yeah. It's a no-brainer. <laughs> Done. I mean, <laughs> take my money. Here you go. <laughs> and and what uh, what uh, what stuff on Disney Plus have you really been uh, watching and enjoying? I've been watching a lot of the old like Disney Afternoon stuff, like uh, Goose Troop and yeah. Ducktales and Darkwing and Tailspin and all that stuff that I remembered growing up with. That was fun to see again because I haven't seen it in like you know twenty years or twenty five years. Right. Uh, I've been going back and watching... I've actually been watching some of the Avengers animated series. Avengers Assemble, I think it's called. Yes. Uh, 
and that's actually pretty good too. I've watched and a little I, bit of that too. It's really good. I, I enjoy and that. I've been, um, I've been watching the Imagineering Story documentary. Yeah, because that that's fascinating. Totally fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I finished that last night. That six episodes have, have been released. I have yet to watch the last episode, um, but up until that point, it's just been amazing watching all the old footage, like right. all the development. Like I read a bunch of this stuff in books. But to actually see footage of it, like see them do the test runs of the rides, see them with the models, see them with the concept art, you know, it's just it's just incredible to watch. I like the footage of Imagineers back from, I guess, the 50s and 60s doing test rides on things with drops. <laughs> you know, it's oh yes, it's, yeah, it's yeah, cool. Yeah, like riding, I guess they were testing the Matterhorn. The Matterhorn or Pirates of the Caribbean the or something. Yeah, Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean. I think it's Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And another thing I like about the Imagineering story is it's not all praise Disney nonstop. They're willing to admit where they've messed up. Right. There's, there's honesty there, which a lot of people would not have expected Disney to, to release because it's their own streaming right. service. Like when they get into like the 80s after Epcot and they have like a kind of floundering or right. when they talk about the first version of California Adventure and it's like yeah <laughs> that wasn't so epic <laughs> I actually and that's a great point I, I didn't know about that I didn't know that California Adventure started off on the wrong foot I learned that from the documentary I learned that a little bit like um, a few years ago but I didn't know the extent of what I didn't know that they had pretty much completely overhauled the park I thought it was just you know they made some tweaks here and there and now it's better but it sounded it looked and sounded like they completely overhauled it and that was that yeah. was something new I learned uh, I wanted awesome. to also ask you with Disney at Walt Disney World what is your favorite theme park and attraction uh, Magic Kingdom would be the favorite theme park um, with Epcot very close behind it because I have a lot of nostalgic feelings for Epcot yeah because I was there the first time I was at first time I remember being at Epcot was like 1992 and it was still in its first phase and all the original pavilions were still there and horizons still existed and all that stuff so right. I vaguely recall that so I still have nostalgic feelings for Epcot and but Magic Kingdom is probably is still my favorite because it's got the most there that I want to do yeah so we always make a point to that's always the first park that we stop at. And it's always the last park that we end with whenever we have a vacation there. Well, Julie, this has been great. Uh, I've loved talking to you tonight about Beatles, Disney, Marvel, Star Wars, Star Trek. This is like my dream conversation right here. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's been fun. Yeah, we're going to turn it now to the Stuff We Love segment. This is the part of the show where uh, tonight uh, Julie and I are going to be giving you recommendations. And we've really been doing that all episode long. But the Stuff We Love <laughs> segment is all about... A, it could be anything. It could be a movie, a book, an app, a song, an album uh, that we're enjoying right now that we want to recommend to you. So, Julie, as our guest this evening, I'm going to turn it over to you to start it off. What is something that you uh, recommend right now? I just recently got into the Disney Twisted Tales, the young adult novels. Um, they're kind of like they put a spin on the story that you know and they kind of shove it into an alternate universe Interesting. if like something different happened and I just read the Part of Your World book I the name of who wrote it escapes me but um, basically the premise is what if Ursula had not been defeated and ended up winning essentially at the end and Ariel did not get the prince mm -hmm. and that was kind of a really fascinating read because she ends up kind of mute for like the first half of the book because Ursula still has her voice 
and she's queen of Atlantica, and Ursula still has Triton with her, and it was like, it was just this whole crazy thing of how are we going to fix this now? Wow. And I kind of like those alternate universe type what if stories. I like that too. I really, I was not familiar with that. That's a great recommendation. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I'm going to make it, I, I made a note of that. And um, are those available on Amazon? And is that? I believe so. I think I got mine from Barnes and Noble. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, it's good to support Barnes and Noble. You know that you need to support physical stores right now. Uh, my stuff we love recommendation tonight. I um, I guess it was on last week's ep- or, or the previous episode. I mentioned a couple of songs by Harry Styles. Well, he released his first uh, not not first solo album. It's his second solo album this past Friday. It's called Fine Line, and uh, Harry Styles, I've learned, is a huge Paul McCartney fan. And uh, Fine Line is, of course, is the name of a song from the Paul McCartney album, Chaos and Creation in the Backyard. Uh, What made me uh, develop an interest in Harry Styles is that I read an article about him, and there's a supplement to the article which focused on all of these songs that he was a fan of, just in general, like stuff we love for, for his music that he liked. And I really was impressed with the selection of his tracks. There were some deep cuts on there. And I had heard he loved the Beatles. And he chose one of my favorite McCartney songs, which is a song called Arrow Through Me from the Back to the Egg album, Wings Back to the Egg album. Okay, yeah. That's a great track. And so the fact that Harry Styles was recommending that, I thought to myself, you know, he, he listens to a lot. And when this album came out, Fine Line, one of the things I had read was that it was very McCartney influenced. And very 70s influence. And when I listened to it for the first time, it was evident right from the start. A couple of the tracks definitely remind me of McCartney. And the only other thing I was going to quickly mention, uh, because it is the holiday season, uh, one of my favorite artists to listen to during the holiday season is Frank Sinatra. He released so many great Christmas tracks. So with regard to Frank Sinatra, there was a compilation released in 2013 called Frank Sinatra Christmas. And it consists of 11 songs. It's 30 minutes long, so it's not a long compilation, but it's great. I love it. I listen to it every holiday season, and uh, it has everything from Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas to White Christmas to Jingle Bells to some of the Christmas songs that he was very closely identified with, like Mistletoe and Holly and the Christmas Waltz. So those are my two uh, music recommendations for you tonight. And uh, with your Disney Twisted, Twisted Tales, am I saying that right, recommendation? Yeah, it's like a series of books. I think the newest one is a Frozen one, where it was like, what if Anna and Elsa never knew each other? I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> if Anna and Elsa never knew each other, I don't even know what to say. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. It uh, Maybe we could have avoided the sequel. Oh, I don't know. snap. <laughs> I, I'm not a huge fan of Frozen 2. I'm not a huge fan of Frozen 2. That's a very controversial statement. There are things I liked about it, but I'm just not... I like Frozen 1 more, okay? Did you see Frozen 2? That's fair. I have seen Frozen 2. I, I liked it. Yes. I wasn't blown away by it, but um, I also like Frozen 1 better. Props to Disney, though. Another banner year at the box office, and Absolutely. The Rise of Skywalker hasn't even opened yet. So I know. <laughs> well, anyhow, uh, Julie, uh, before I, I go to our closing remarks, I wanted to give you the opportunity to tell our listeners where they can find you on social media. Um, you can find me on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at Quinn. That's H-O-O-L-E-Q-U-I-N-N. And I, I got to tell all our listeners, follow Julie on there. She's got a great Twitter account. 
every day when I'm on Twitter and I'm searching through my feed, I'll see Beatles tweets. I'll see Star Wars. I'll, start, I'll see Star Trek. I'll see Star Trek. I'll see Disney tweets. Uh, just, just upbeat, really enjoyable stuff. So I'm very glad to have met you on there, Julie. And uh, well, I look you. forward to our, to, to our continued Twitter conversations. Absolutely. And hopefully future appearances on the Stuff We Love podcast. I'd be all for it. Awesome. Awesome. So thank you, everyone, for tuning into this week's episode. You can find the Stuff We Love podcast on Twitter at Stuff We Love Pod. On Instagram, we're at Stuff We Love Podcast. You can find us on Facebook as well. We have a page there where we post content. We, we like to say we do it on a daily basis, but quite honestly, it's with the busyness of the holiday season, it hasn't been that much recently. Our website is StuffWeLovePodcast.com. You can find links to our previous episodes on there, and you can learn about the hosts of the show and more. Uh, we have a blog, which we're going to be much more active with in 2020. Our email is StuffWeLovePodcast at gmail.com. Please continue to leave those good five-star reviews on iTunes because what that does is it makes it easier for others to find our show as well. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, we are on Spotify now, so feel free to subscribe to us on there. So, Julie, uh, thank you again for joining us tonight. Thanks for having me. Happy holidays and, and best wishes for a happy and healthy new year. And Same to you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> and we'll go around the table one more time. I am Scott. I'm Julie. And you've been listening to the Stuff We Love podcast. <laughs>